Part of the Rewatching Good Television Podcast Network. It's the Sorkin Cast. Here's your host, Matthew Murdick. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Sorkin Cast. Sorry for the delay this week. Uh, there were issues for me in regards to my family for the last month, and I'm just now able to get to recording any podcast live. In fact, I had suspended most of my podcasts uh, recently within the last month uh, because I needed to catch up with these family things. However, we're back now, and we'll... Uh, get back to doing all of the podcasts regularly in January. I just need a little more time to catch up. By the way, my name is Matt Murdick, and I am from SorkinCast.wordpress.com, and that's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find contact links, and you can find uh, podcatcher links. And if you could take the time to leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher, I'd very much appreciate it. It helps the podcast stay more noticeable. Thank you very much. Enough about that. Um, I do have this feedback episode that I promised that I would get you. And with that, I also promised that I would include any new iTunes reviews. Uh, so I'm going to thank the people who have sent reviews, uh, in the last few months, uh, right now, or since our last feedback episode anyway, only two reviews to report, um, but I do appreciate them both. First one is from Britty4, who gave the podcast one star, um, and they did it so in the U.S. iTunes store. I love the West Wing. Really love the West Wing. I didn't hate the first few podcast episodes, but the host just became more annoying with each passing episode. The constant requests for reviews are beyond annoying, as is the host's voice. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pretty Four. I understand. You know, I do understand that my voice certainly isn't for everybody. So uh, I apologize if you happen to listen to this. I, I would hope that you would at least listen to hear your feedback presented, but maybe not if you haven't or if you've given up. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for giving it a try. That's all I can pretty much say. Uh, then the second iTunes review that I have is from Mel Pink One in the U.S. iTunes store who gave it five stars. I really enjoy all the clips and the way you break it down. It's like watching the show at my work desk. Keep it up. Okay, thank you very much for that review. So I've got uh, two extremes here, but I really appreciate it. I guess that falls me somewhere around a three-star average. Uh, which makes me an average, kind of not really standout-ish kind of podcast, uh, at least for this section, but uh, or this stretch of podcasts. But uh, I do appreciate both of you taking the time to leave me reviews. Another thing that I promised for this feedback podcast would be the Season 1 West Wing Awards, where we're going to pick our favorite and least favorite character, scene, guest star, and episode. So, let's get into that next. Not going to get a whole lot uh, into these. I'm not going to go in 
big depth about why or, or what, but I did pick pretty much a winner and an honorable mention for each of these awards as we go along. And I want to thank Jennifer, who submitted an email with her choices as far as these awards go. The only one that I got for that. But um, go ahead and start thinking about season two. You know, if if you've already watched season two, um, certainly you can submit them anytime between now and when we get there, which will be, of course, at the end of season two. In the meantime, let's start with our favorite character. And let me give you Jennifer's first. She says, Bartlett. He's the president you always wanted the country to have. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. And I will go with just my winner and then my honorable mention. But my winner is Toby. Uh, there's just too many good scenes with this guy in season one. Uh, for me, not to like him head and shoulders above all of the others. His idealism and really, at the same time, cynicism, I, I think that makes him fascinating because you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, and uh, I really, I, if you hadn't noticed in the course of all of my podcasts for this season, uh, I talk about Toby a lot. I find ways to talk about Toby because he is my favorite in this season. And I'm going to give my honorable mention to Leo uh, because I, I feel like his whole journey with this whole alcohol thing and and the way he had to rise above that, how he had to try and battle that in season one uh, was a really great storyline. Um, you get the, the reveal of it through through the whole mess and having to go through the press conference and everything. Going from there to the point where when they find out who the leak is and he has that sit-down talk with her and um, you just see how you have to have some kind of philosophy about um, being able to rise above the alcoholism or your dependencies in so many ways. And that includes forgiving people who hate you for being the way you are or for the fact that you have that kind of disease. So, you know, I, I thought that that was very, a very well portrayed storyline. And, and I think, uh, you know, I really admire Leo for the way he handled it. And that's it for the favorite character. Let's move on to, ooh, the least favorite character. And in the least favorite character, let's go to Jennifer's first, who says Mandy. She came across too strong in scenes that she was in, and she had really no redeeming qualities. Uh, well, I'm going to agree with you, Jennifer, in Mandy, but not because I disliked her, um, for the most part. Really, I, I just feel like that she was kind of the most underutilized character in the season. And for me, that's more about the execution of uh, how to use her character and whether she was really needed at all. Um, I don't know if, if Sorkin had any kind of real plan for her or if she was just supposed to be a little bit of a foil every once in a while, but it just didn't really seem to work with the chemistry of the rest of, of the show to me. Um, and I really felt like there were times when they were just writing her into episodes because they had to, because she was part of the cast. Um, but her appearances, for the most part, typically didn't mean much of anything. And uh, for my honorable mention, I'm going to say Josh, 
Yes, I, I know. Josh is kind of a fan favorite and everything. And while I admire his ability to definitely get business done on the hill, which is usually involves being uh, slightly dirty, um, I think he's a little bit too heavy-handed about the whole thrill of victory, quote-unquote, or the agony of defeat, quote-unquote. Um, I mean, that's the character. That's That's the way he's supposed to be. So I have no problem with the portrayal. Really, just the th- kind of the faults in the character of Josh himself. And again, it's just for this season, future seasons, I may not have him in a, a spot of being my least favorite character. Um, but uh, he is for this one. Back to the positive. Let's move to favorite scene. And again, we'll start with Jennifer's submission. The last sequences of Let Bartlett Be Bartlett between Leo's pep talk and the staff getting on board. The show really launched from there. And I think that most people feel that way, Jennifer, uh, about uh, this this whole bit with, with the Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. I, I know that John certainly did when we talked about it. Um, I'm not going to go that route. Uh, mine are all kind of Toby related. So, uh, my winner is Toby talking to the brother of the deceased homeless person in, in Excelsis Deo. Um, I feel just feel like, and maybe this is more about the execution of it by Richard Schiff, but just the embodiment of, of true frustration that, that Toby is kind of feeling because he's in this business to help people. And now he is confronted in that moment about how powerless he feels he actually is. And then he begins to overcompensate. You know, he even talks about being powerful in that scene when he's talking to the brother. He pulls strings to get a veteran a a proper funeral. And he's moved by all of it so much. To me, um, that's one of the most vulnerable scenes of the whole series and um, Schiff just knocks it out of the park talking to that brother. I, I just absolutely love that. And it, it's these little gestures that he does, you know, just putting his hand to his forehead as he talks. Um, just amazing portrayal by Schiff. And he does that again uh, in another scene. So he, Toby gets my honorable mention um, when he has a sit down with Josh um, and the president with the whole big government is not over discussion regarding the state of the union address and again that that same sense of passion and 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 vulnerability just makes that a super fantastic scene and like i said Schiff's performance is just amazing and the thing that really seals the deal for me in that scene is the look on josh's face actually and the way he says i never argue with toby when he's right because you see that josh has been convinced Um, And while Josh may not be my favorite character of all time, um, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have passion and doesn't want to do the right thing. So there you go. Whitford just really knocked that out of the park, too. Um, But the meat of that scene, of course, is Toby's argument. And that's why it gets the honorable mention for me. Now let's go to least favorite scene. Oh, this one's a tough one to talk through. But here we go. Here's why this one's tough to get through. I'm going to start with mine first, and then we'll go to Jennifer's. Because Jennifer picked the last sequences of Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. 
And Jennifer, I really hate to contradict your favorite scene and probably a lot of people's favorite scene. Uh, but my least favorite was, in fact, your favorite. And maybe not so much the Leo pep talk. Uh, that was okay, you know. But once you get into that whole, I serve at the pleasure of the president uh, from everybody in the room, one at a time, you know, I'm ready for my close-up uh, style. It was just a little bit too Sorkin-esque cheesy for even my taste. And I tend to forgive Sorkin for that kind of stuff. But as you heard me and John talk about it, I really just kind of disliked that. I just really didn't like it much at all. And I have to say that I really don't have an honorable mention for my least favorite scene. Um, I I really couldn't think of any other scene that was as blatantly bad uh, as the one (laughs) I just mentioned by comparison. Maybe everybody lining up at the end of In Excelsis Deo you know, the standing in the line thing that that was kind of bad. But that was part of a larger montage, which was actually pretty good. So I couldn't really uh, drag the rest of that montage down just because of that. Uh, let's get to Jennifer's least favorite scene, who says no scenes were bad. But my least favorite was probably the whole thing about Mandy having written the memo about Bartlett. She's so inconsiderate to have not told anybody about that way before it became an issue. Okay, yeah. Um, I tend to think that Mandy, uh, I don't know why she didn't think it would never come up. Um, Somebody had to steal it off of her personal laptop, I guess, or off of her computer. Um, But yeah, she should have had some foresight uh, about that. So thank you very much, Jennifer. Let's move on to our favorite guest star for the season. And we'll start with Jennifer again, who says, Lord John Marbury, Roger Reese, may he rest in peace. I love the over-the-top British drunkard. (laughs) Very good, very good. Uh, My winner is John Amos as Admiral Percy Fitzwallis. I just love the portrayal of this character. I, I feel like Fitz is just such a strong person. Uh, and I think that the scene that sealed the deal for me was his last one in the season uh, where him and the president wait for that call about the rescued downed pilot. And uh, the way he brings up the, the whole uh, seal about, about wartime and peacetime, I thought that was really good. And, of course, for my honorable mention, I have to bring up Allison Smith as Mallory. I mean... Her scenes with Sam to me just kind of lit up the screen. Um, I'm sure there's no bias there because of my crush on Allison Smith either. But yeah, no bias. Sure. Maybe so. Uh, I've got a second honorable mention too. Uh, and that's Timothy Busfield as, as Danny Kincannon. Uh, his stuff opposite CJ I thought was just great all along. And he's a, he's a pretty smart but a, a fairly forgiving reporter, uh, which... Probably isn't all that realistic, but I, I do, I do love that they made him that way. So excellent, excellent uh, guest stars in every season of The West Wing. Really, you can't really say that. But let's get to our uh, least favorite guest stars. Okay, least favorite guest star. Um, let's start. With Jennifer again, who says, I don't know his name, but the Claypool character, 
I'd like to squish that dude like the slimy slug that he is. <laughs> Very good, Jennifer. And Jennifer, uh, John Deal is the guy's name. And uh, he made my honorable mention. I, I think that that jo- guy did a great job acting the part. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but man, I really hate the Claypool character too. So there's my honorable mention. Uh, my winner is Paul Provenza, who played Senator Majority Leader Steve Orinato. Uh, and again, none of these guys did a bad job acting. It's not really like I, it's kind of unfair to do the least favorite guest star. It should be maybe guest character. Uh, but I just really don't like how shifty the Orinato character is um, and the way he went after Sam. That really speaks slime ball to me. And while we're at it, why don't we just stay right here in the least favorites? We'll get the all the last least favorite out of the way, and then we'll move on to our favorite episode of the season as the final award. But let's start with Jennifer's least favorite episode of the season, who says, White House Pro-Am. Uh, with all of the strong women on this show, this episode seemed to undercut everything the rest of the season had laid out in regards to them. And I have to say, Jennifer, I completely agree with you. That was my winner as well. Um, to, to me, the logic of the episode just kind of seems to fly the bird in the face of everything we know about how these characters tend to respect women, like crackpots in these women. I mean, it's it's like it's like giving the middle finger to that particular episode as far as the attitudes about women go um now i don't doubt the realism of the white house pro-am but i didn't find the episode's logic in tune with the rest of the season either so totally agreed with you jennifer couldn't really come up with a least favorite honorable mention sorry uh lack of time and lack of consideration and i don't know Uh, Nothing just came to me off the top of my head. So let's move on to our final category, the favorite episode of the season. And we have Jennifer's who says, let Bartlett be Bartlett. Easily the episode that really made me a West Wing fan forever. Well, that definitely should then put it in the rank of your favorite episode of the season. I wonder if it's your favorite episode of the series once we finally, somewhere, years down the line, get through all of the episodes of West Wing. Uh, We'll have to see. That should be interesting. Uh, My winner is In Excelsius Deo for, obviously, three words. Toby, Toby, Toby. I don't know if there's anything else to say about it. I, I thought that as far as a, you know holiday-themed episode goes. I really, really enjoyed it from, you know, the way Bartlett was with the kids. Uh, I thought that that was just brilliantly done. And, of course, all everything Toby in that episode is just fantastic. And I do have an honorable mention. What kind of day it has been? Or has it been? I don't know. How, how does it, what kind of day has it been? Is that it? Uh, anyway, uh, you get to really see the administration really hitting its stride. It's kind of at its greatest height that we've seen it uh, in uh, the season, probably since, you know, the election, right? And then we get to see how an incident that is completely out of uh, everybody's control can just totally wipe all of that away, and it was a great cliffhanger. Maybe a little overdone with the number of shots and the who's been shot, who's been shot, hitting home, 
but you know that's that's good it makes you want to come back and see the uh the next episode of the season of or the first episode of the next season i guess i should say so um yeah really good stuff and that's it for the west wing awards your feedback is next Start with a couple of tweets that we got throughout the course of the season, I guess as they were listening to various episodes. Uh, and uh, this one, first one is from at Steve J. Rogers Jr., who says, For what it's worth, the very first thing Sam discusses with Mallory in the pilot was that he accidentally slept with the call girl. So I guess the theorizing that John and I did about Sam and Mallory at the point where he gives that little speech to Josh about getting his heart crushed, um, maybe that doesn't really mean anything. The only reason I say that uh, is because, and this is a little spoilery, but I'm not too worried about it. Uh, We will see Mallory again in a future episode, and they talk about it. And she says, I didn't really want to bother you after the call girl thing came out in the papers. I think that's why John and I were theorizing about that a little bit. At Steve J. Rogers, Jr. also submitted a, a feedback, and I don't remember for what episode it was, but twice you called Joey Lucas Zoe. Whoops, uh, probably just got the names mixed up and uh, because they come, kind of roll off the tongue. Joey, Zoe, they kind of roll off the tongue uh, the same way. So my bad. I, I don't talk all that well. Makes you wonder why I do a podcast, right? Um, and just ask Britty for. Evidently, I don't do it very well. Uh, on to emails from Jay. And this was on He Shall from Time to Time. Firstly, love the podcast, been bench listening, and have finally caught up to you. I know this episode and the next one are already in the bag, but I wanted to bring you one of my favorite parts of this episode. In the scene where Toby comes up to the resident to speak with President Bartlett around the 32-minute mark on Netflix. I love how Martin Sheen stands up and walks behind the sofa, literally putting him something between himself and Richard Schiff. Clearly different than how he interacts with Leo. And then when Marbury comes in and they're all seated at the couch, great choices are made there. Also in the scene, when Leo asks Bartlett why he didn't confide in him, and Bartlett says that, I wanted to be president. That gets me every time. Also, Marbury's line, it's the price you pay for being rich, free, and alive all at the same time, is one of my favorites. Excellent. Yeah, excellent thoughts, Jay. Appreciate it very much. And then we have this email from John uh, that was entitled, Excellent Idea, saying, Making my 60-mile commute to office is so much more enjoyable. It might simply be for these two facts. One, the Sorkin cast is the first podcast of yours, in fact, that I've ever connected with. Two, I am a musician with a real interest in TV film scoring. But I would like to hear your thoughts on Snuffy, because when I started watching the show religiously in 1999, it was made important by the stuff he did to bump up the drama and the comedy. Just some food for thought. Hard to get the gears grinding, however... Hitting the new episode each Monday for my commute is a perfect amount of Sorkin slash Matt Smart to get me motivated for what's next. Thanks for celebrating the mastery of Mr. Sorkin. P.S. Saw the Steve Jobs movie. It was excellent. Noticed he kept up with the walk and talks. 
All right, John. Uh, thank you for the email. First of all, in regards to the analyzing of Snuffy, um, there's some really good stuff on the DVDs where it explains how he comes up with things, where he does stuff. Um, I feel like anybody who's watching the show now, maybe not so much on Netflix, I guess, um, but if you have the DVDs and you have all the information you need about where Snuffy's coming from, especially in the season one DVDs. Um, secondly, um, basically the style that he uses, this Americana style, it has been pretty well documented as to how Aaron Copeland used it, how other composers have used it, composers like John Williams and such. And um, my analysis of, of the thematic material probably wouldn't do all of that well because instead of character themes, what we really have with Snuffy is um, episode themes. Like he comes up with a different theme for each episode, and that's great. I guess I could sit back and analyze why each episode uh, has different thematic material that is repeated through. But I don't know. I'm much more interested in the way that a Michael Giacchino or uh, even a Ramin Javadi um, integrate character themes to create a larger whole because that gives a consistency throughout a whole series as opposed to making it feel like a bunch of one-offs. Um, and, and it's just two different philosophies of, of composing for film, obviously. And um, Sorkin has obviously wanted this style uh, because he never fired Snuffy, so uh, that that's that's admirable in itself. It's just not something that I I really interests me. Um, plus, I'm having to do a lot of these in well in advance in terms of recording, and a lot of my preparation goes into preparing the clips for you um, rather than trying to sniff out the music and and take extra time doing that. Sometimes I'm recording four or five of these episodes in the course of a week just so that I don't have to record them later on. Uh, and that limits my time uh, with what I can spend with the episode audio simply because I have to, I have to get the clips out there uh, because of the format that I've chosen. Uh, but I thank you for your thought on that. And as far as Steve Jobs goes, uh, I haven't seen it. God, I'm a bad Sorkin fan. Um, I probably had said I intended to see it at some point. No, I'm one of these podcasts, but I have not seen it. Uh, so uh, I'll have to wait till it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray or Amazon or something. I'll check. I will check it out. We will probably review it somewhere in a future episode. Um, Walk and Talk's still going. Hmm. Does Sorkin write those in or is that a director choice? Now, I know on this television show, it was definitely Sorkin writing them in. Uh, but I wonder if it was a director's choice for the movie. Um, maybe as a tribute to Aaron, uh, possibly so. Anyway, again, thank you, John, so much uh, for submitting the email, and hopefully you'll keep listening, and uh, let's move on to the next email. Uh, here's an email from Ken, who says, First of all, love the podcast. West Wing was my favorite show of all time, so I'm grateful I can still enjoy it through your efforts. Second, I've been unable to enjoy the episode for Mandatory Minimums on the Stitcher app, which is how I usually listen it gives an error regarding the content not being able to load and on the stitcher side there is no audio at all on the sorkin cast site it does not play at all i thought you would like to know keep up the good work okay uh thanks ken thanks for submitting the email i went back and checked it out and it seems to work that may have been a problem with the host 
at the time you were listening to it because there's been times uh, when the place that hosts my files has been down. So I apologize. Uh, try and go back and listen to it again because I got it to work for me uh, when I checked it out right before I recorded this podcast. If you're still having problems, please let me know. Um, but it did work for me. And we have a final email here from Steve who submitted this. And actually, Steve submitted some stuff for a spoiler section, which we will also have after the end music of this podcast for those of you who don't want to be spoiled. Hopefully that my little comment about Mallory didn't spoil you too much, but we will see her again. I mean, that's not really any kind of big revelation. So uh, here is the email from Steve who says, well, that was a fun half season down of the West Wing. Oh, and we did do what you couldn't do when it comes to continuing the Cubs' epic championship drought as it marches on to 110 years. Aww. A few things. I don't recall too much about in real life timelines from when a Supreme Court of the United States justice nomination gets announced and their eventual appointment ceremony. But I'd imagine it'd be roughly the same time. Maybe more so when controversial things get introduced, such as sexual harassment in the workplace and Clarence Thomas. But I'd imagine Mendoza's was drawn out more so with the nature of network television, especially in 2000. Obviously, looking at it from the view of today's much shorter and compact season filler episodes and plot lines tend to stand out more. Especially in the seasons where the show's timeline matches up with in-real-life timeline, i.e. Thanksgiving, late November, Christmas, mid-late December, weather, specific clothing being worn, etc. Of course, that is going out the window at various show's end, but let's cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> uh, but I can see that being an issue with these older shows, there are kind of helping shape the template for the more plot line driven shows of today where there aren't as many completely filler slash character building heavy episodes i guess you're going to discuss it now but i'm surprised you didn't touch upon mandy's final episode in what kind of day has it been while it is a bit spoilery it probably isn't too much of a shock to know that the character is gone from the show and is never referenced again but on such a whimper and kind of sets up a lot of the same kind of disappointing or lack of of departures of characters. Heck, you brought up Mallory pretty much disappearing without the mention of the clunky and vague explanations when she finally returns down the road. Fans of the character or not, considering it was a major story in bringing the character on board in the first place, and she was part of several major stories, she deserves more than to just be never heard from or mentioned again. Interesting about the spoiler aspect of Maura Kelly being gone from the cast starting in season two. I'm oddly fascinated by new watchers and their habits of avoiding spoilers for shows that ended long ago, i.e. The West Wing. Not to make everyone who watched this on the first run of NBC feeling old, including me. <laughs> Especially considering just about every home commercial viewing platform for consuming seasons, DVDs, digital purposes, streaming, and VOD surfaces, etc., usually show that the season's cast in some sort of co cover art for the show. In other words, despite Mandy not being shown in the final scene, in what kind of day has it been, 
you don't get any warning that she's no longer going to be in the show going forward. Yet before you even watch In the Shadow of Two Gunmen in season two's premiere, she is nowhere on the cover art and is replaced in the opening credits by Jano Maloney as well. Well, that's all I got for now. Can't wait to see what's coming next. While I hope it's season two, that was a pretty great cliffhanger and a season two opener was classic as well. But I decided to go another onto another Sorkin project, especially if it gives me an excuse to finally watch the newsroom. Speaking of which, have you seen the Steve Jobs movie yet? I haven't. I think I have a hang-up that I found a bit ironic when I've heard it mentioned a couple of times on the show when describing someone's negative reaction to the West Wing. It's the idea that Sorkin-esque dialogue is pretty much not something people would ever talk like in real-life settings, especially professional environments. Well, that took me completely out of the social network when it seemed I could see Sam Seaborn or Josh Lyman spouting about what Mark Zuckerberg was saying. It's one thing when Sorkin dialogue gets said by fictional characters. It's another when it's done in a based-on-true-events setting like a biopic. So until then, Steve. All right, Steve, thank you very much. Uh, First of all, Mandy. Yeah, I didn't bring it up. Uh, Spoiler things are so weird. I, I, I don't even know how to handle it for the most time but on an old show like this. I think most people probably wouldn't care if I brought up season six stuff in a season one episode. Uh, I've been trained, especially by having to talk about Game of Thrones or about Lost, that you just don't talk about future events of an episode, no matter how old it is. Uh, sometimes even when we would do rewatches of, of Game of Thrones episodes, I wouldn't spoil anything that was in the next season. Um, it just, I, I don't know. It's just a policy I take. Um, I really, you know, Mandy was such an insignificant character in so many ways. And you heard me bring up, she was my least favorite character of the season, uh, because she was so underutilized. So it didn't bother me that she went away. Now there will be other characters that will go away in future seasons that I probably will comment on, on the spot. Um, but for now, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel that it needed to be brought up that Mandy was back. I, maybe I'll address it in, in the first season two episode, uh, which by the way, we will be doing season two of West Wing. You all voted. Thank you very much for your poll and season two of West Wing did finish. So that's what we'll be continuing on in January. Um, and as far as uh, the Steve Jobs movie yet, no, I haven't seen it. Um, Social Network, Bubba and I, Bubba, will be back, and we'll be talking about the Social Network in a future episode. So uh, look forward to that. Um, and we'll have to apply your principle here and see what's going on uh, with the Sorkin dialogue in that case. And uh, I guess that's all I need to see or talk about uh, from your email here. Uh, thank you very much for submitting it, Steve. We've got some more from Steve in the feed, the, the spoiler section, which does reference future seasons uh, quite a bit about other characters, as I just mentioned. So we'll talk about that um, after the end music. So if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to hear it. In the meantime, uh, thanks again for listening. Again, I apologize for this podcast being late. Uh, but the next time we get together, which will be January 31st, I just cannot get anything together until then. So we're going to take a pretty long hiatus the whole, the rest of the month of December. 
um, until the end of January, the basically the beginning of February, we will get into, first of all, the social network. I'll be talking with Bubba about that. Uh, we've yet to record that podcast. I got to get with him to record that. And then we will start the season two rewatch of the West Wing. Um, and we'll have a, uh, a feedback deadline uh, again in the middle of the season and then another one uh, at the end of the season. Um, so uh, we will see you on January 31st, 2016. Thanks for sticking with the podcast. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, that's a long hiatus. I totally forgive you if you want to unsubscribe and then see if we come back. We will come back, I guarantee you. Uh, but I'm, I'm just really busy right now. And as I mentioned uh, prior, uh, I think in response to John's email, uh, it takes me a little while to put these episodes together. Um, so I have to kind of do them in a block. And I, I, I need time to be able to give you continuous content once we start again. Wow, I've said enough. If you have any thoughts about anything, about the podcast, about any of the episodes that we've reviewed or will review feel free to submit them, especially about the social network. If you want to get those in before the end of the year, um, then I can include them in the podcast that we have with Bubba. Uh, send an email to sorkincast at gmail.com or you can tweet at sorkincast or you can call the listener line 314-669-1840 and leave a voicemail that I can play on the podcast as well. This is Matt. Happy holidays to everyone. And we'll see you at the end of January. Take care. Find all of the back episodes, links, and more information at sorkincast.wordpress.com. Leave the podcast a written review at our iTunes or Stitcher store pages. To submit feedback, send emails to sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840. The Sorkin cast is a member of the Rewatching Good TV network. All right, you're still here. The music is over. Uh, but we do have this spoiler email from Steve. He calls it a spoiler. I would too. Um, we will uh, save uh, you a couple of seconds here to turn off if you don't want to be here. Okay. That's enough. This uh, spoiler from Steve says, okay, this is a complete spoiler section, obviously. Funny story about the spoilers within the behind the scenes or in real life stuff that goes on with TV shows in between seasons or sometimes during the season as some situations or actors leaving turn out. That with an old West Wing podcast that has since pod faded, it was run by a longtime fan of the show and a newbie. They watched the finale and... The veteran asked the newbie to make a prediction on who was shot. Well, I forget the reasoning, but the newbie wasn't a fan of the Sam character and suggested that Sam would be shot and be leaving the show. More so out of wanting, probably. But it was a funny bit of unintentional foreshadowing and a bit of be careful what you wish for. But that's my bias against Will Bailey. And again, a bit odd if someone just followed season-by-season cover art and noticed Rob Lowe just doesn't appear in them after the fourth season. Just thought of something 
to add about West Wing character abrupt exits. Loy herself never got mentioned or even referred to again after that camera incident. Granted, and here is the spoiler, there is a fan wank shipping theories out there that Laurie is Sam's unnamed significant other in SoCal when Josh tries to bring him back to be part of the Santos administration. But I find that a bit hard to believe, especially with no mention of her from the final appearance through Sam's last regular appearance. Anyway, I'd better stop now, or the spoiler section might be like a quarter of the episode runtime. Well, actually, I included most of your stuff in in the regular. Uh, I didn't feel it that it was really all that spoilery um, in the uh, regular section, so you're safe there, Steve. But thank you. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I I guess the whole thing about Mandy maybe that was partly for me why I didn't mention it because Mandy just really didn't matter to me that much, uh, as I mentioned before. The theory about Laurie, the yeah, whatever, you know, people can, you know, that, that's, that's fanficking. That's not really theorizing to me, but that, that's okay. Um, Lori never being mentioned again. Well, she is mentioned again by Mallory, um, in her, uh, as you called clunky explanation to Sam as to why they never got back together. Um, there, there's a lot of hole in there, uh, about Mallory, of course. Uh, and a lot of holes in there about Lori as well. Um, although here, here's the thing you have to consider. She just graduated law school, right? Who's to say that she didn't, you know, get a job somewhere else. They could have written a line just to say that to let us know. Um, but since Lori was such a problem for Sam from the very first episode, um, maybe Sorkin felt like uh, there was no, you know, good riddance. There's no reason to get her, but I'm just thinking maybe she, she got a job, uh, elsewhere. Just she got her law degree at DC. Does that mean she can only practice law in DC? I don't know. Um, it seemed like she was studying for a bar exam, but they didn't exactly say which state. So I don't know. I don't know how any of that works to be perfectly honest, but, um, good point, Steve. Thanks so much for the email. And again, folks, we'll be back on January 31st. No matter what holidays you have celebrated or will be celebrating, I wish you safe and joyous ones. Take care. This is Matt. Bye.